We are in Philippians chapter 1. If you need a Bible, raise your hand real high. We'll get a, the men coming up the aisles with Bibles so you can follow along with us this morning. Philippians chapter 1 is where we left off. Where are we at, gang? 19, 21, 20, 22. You know what someone said first service? Verse 1. Yes, let's start again. Let's crank it up again. We'll start in verse 19 this morning. What's the theme of Philippians? You guys remember? Joy. Joy. Happiness. Listen, I would say this morning, God's will for your life is that you would have joy. Fullness of joy. First John tells us that. That's why John, one of the reasons John was writing his first epistle is that we would have the fullness of joy. And fullness of joy is, um, is connected with us being connected to Jesus, by the way. Jesus said, abide in me and you will bear much fruit, right? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, and so forth. And so no matter what our circumstances that are going on around us, no matter how difficult, no matter how gnarly things get, we can still have joy because it's not rooted in our circumstances. Our joy is connected with our relationship with Jesus, and by the way, with other brothers and sisters too. And so Paul, where's Paul writing from? Writing from prison, right? He's chained, he's, he's got chains, he's got a guard there, like 24-7, he's got guards there with him, they're getting rotated out. And he's encouraging the Philippians that they too can have joy because their persecution is coming down heavy upon the Philippian church at this time. And Paul's reminding them, even in the midst of your circumstances, don't get bummed out, don't get discouraged. Listen, you, can, you too can have joy no matter what you're going through. And remember last week, Paul actually said, he said, listen, the things that have happened to me, all these things that have rolled out in my life have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. Me being in this place of, of hardship and pain and difficulty, the gospel is being furthered. The good news of Jesus Christ is going out. The life-changing message of the gospel is going out. Why? Because the gospel's not chained. Correct? The gospel's not chained. And the gospel is the power of, unto salvation for anyone that believes. It's just getting the gospel out, the good news out to people and watching what the Lord will do in a heart and a life to, to someone that receives the good news and the radical transformation that happens. And that's what was happening. Paul was sharing with each guard or guards they brought in. Can you imagine? He's got a captive audience for maybe a four-hour shift, a couple of guards right there with him. Can you imagine if you're an unbeliever? Ah, oh, i got to go. i got what? I'm... You know, they're looking at their daily log, what they got to do. Oh. And then they go, they're all ticked off. And then all of a sudden, Paul's sharing. By the end of the day, they're weeping, right? And crying. I surrender. Give me Jesus. I want Jesus. But that's what's happening. That's the context. That's what's going on. Paul's sharing. People are getting saved. The gospel is being furthered. And not just that, the Christians that are there in Rome, they're being emboldened to share their faith with others. Man, if Paul can do that, he's in chains. We don't have chains at all. Man, let's go for it. Let's, 
Let's do what Jesus has called us to do, and that's to share the gospel, the good news with people. And so they became emboldened, and they began to share. But remember, there was kind of a mixed crew, right, of people that were sharing. Some of them were sharing with bad motives and bad methods. Some with good motives, good intentions. And Paul, both groups, they were preaching Christ. They were sharing the gospel. And Paul's, Paul wasn't bummed out, wasn't bitter, wasn't ticked off. He's just like, I rejoice, and I will rejoice that Jesus Christ is being preached. Why? Because that's the main thing, and you keep the main thing the main thing. Paul saw what was going, that what was going on was good. That's a good thing that's happening. Are you looking for the good things that are happening right now in your life? So often we don't. So often we look at everything else rather than saying, whoa, God's doing something good here. Wow, thank you, Lord. It causes us to rejoice. We see his work. Whether it's in my life or the people around me, that's cause for rejoicing. And Paul's reminding them of all these things. And now as we pick up in, that's a long enough intro, correct? Let's go. Verse 19. Paul says, for I know, I'm absolutely sure that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply, this is so beautiful, and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing, nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death, and then don't miss this, for to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. This is so awesome. So Paul earlier in verse 12 said, I want you to know these things. Now Paul says, I know this. I know something. And what does he know? One way or another, I'm going to be delivered. I'm going to be rescued. Are you confident in God's rescue this morning and his deliverance? This is something the Apostle Paul communicated on a number of different uh, times when he wrote his letters. In fact, you remember, in, if you're taking notes, 2 Timothy, I want to read this real quick. Because did, did Paul go through some tough stuff? He did, didn't he? And he was reminding young Pastor Timmy, he said, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all, the Lord delivered me. Isn't that interesting? Paul says, I endured, and the Lord delivered me out of them. Do you know the Lord will deliver you? And it's either he's going to deliver you through it, and you're going to get through it here on planet Earth, or he's going to deliver you and bring you home to be with him. Is that good news to you guys this morning? Remember, you guys remember Daniel, his buddy, what were his buddies' names? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Bonus question this morning, do you remember their given names? Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael, right? They were given these bogus names. Shadrach, Meshach, a bunch of false god names, gnarly names. They were, remember, God lifted them up, elevated. They kept their hearts right with God, and God elevated them to a place in government, right? They were working in the government, 
And Nebuchadnezzar built this giant statue. You guys remember this story? Daniel chapter 3. Nebuchadnezzar built this giant statue, got the bands all out. Every time they played some tunes, what did everybody have to do? Bow down and worship, right? Worship this giant statue. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, no way. We're not going to bow down. In fact, I was reading this morning, they answered, uh, they said to Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not... Let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. This is so awesome because they're like, and they're they're good. They're, They're not like getting all gnarly with them. They're sharing gracefully. But we're not gonna bow down. Our God's gonna deliver us. One way or another, he's gonna rescue us. And you guys remember what happened? Nebuchadnezzar gets super ticked off, throws them in the, heats the cranks up, the heat in the fire, throws them in, in the midst of this fiery furnace, who shows up? Jesus, Jesus shows up. And Nebuchadnezzar's tripping. He's like, what's going on? Get them out of the fire. And they come out of the fire, and I, I've never seen this before. Well, I've seen it before, but I never realized Nebuchadnezzar's response, what he said, the testimony about these three young men. Nebuchadnezzar spoke saying, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. And they have frustrated the king's word, check this out, and yielded their bodies that they should not serve nor worship any God except their own God. No other God, there is no other God who can deliver like this. That's awesome. Nebuchadnezzar looks and says, they, gave their, they would not give their bodies to this idol to serve and worship. They've given their bodies, their lives, to the true and the living God. Can I encourage us this morning? Amen. The the Apostle Paul said the same thing to you and I this morning. In light of all that Jesus Christ has done for us, Paul said, I beg you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, that you would offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto the Lord, which is your reasonable service. It's the only response that makes sense in light of all that he has done for us. God is in the delivery business. And part of Paul's confidence, notice what it says there back in Philippians 1, is the prayers of others and the supply. I love what he says here, uh, uh, another name for the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Isn't that beautiful? Paul trusted in the prayers of others for his deliverance and the supply of the Holy Spirit. To me, that is so beautiful this morning. Because do you you know your prayers matter? Your prayers matter to the Lord. I don't know how, does prayer work? I know prayer works, I just don't know how it works. He tells us to pray, I'm going to pray. And somehow it's connected to rescue and deliverance, and it's beautiful. And not only that, the sufficiency of the Spirit of God. Are you trusting in the sufficiency of the Spirit of God this morning. Our Heavenly Father knows when you will need the strength to stand in the face of adversity. And not only that, he supplies all that we need 
and his timing is perfect. Amen? Amen. Amen. Verse 20, Paul says, look what he says there. He says, this is what I'm watching for, my expectation. I'm looking for with hope. Nothing will cause me to be embarrassed. In other words, whatever God wants, to, whatever, God, whatever way God wants to spend my life, I'm down. I've been bought at a price. I've been purchased. I belong to him. I'm his possession. Lord, anyway, my life is a blank check for you. Any way you want to spend my life, I'm okay. Your will be done. And he says, with total courage, not being intimidated. Because the norm is for Paul, and will be here again, that Jesus will be what? Magnified in his body. Jesus will be seen. So other people can look and see Jesus living in and through our lives. Isn't that beautiful? As John the Baptist said, may I be decreasing and Jesus be increasing. We want people to see Jesus, don't we, in our lives? They don't need to see me or you. They need to see Jesus Christ. And I love it, whether by life or by death. Jesus being seen in the way we live our lives and in the way God chooses to spend our lives when we take our last breath here. That people would see Jesus in us. So my life is his. I won't be ashamed how he spends my life. He placed me here. I will do, the be- I will do my best to make him look good. That's the place of rest this morning, gang. How could he have this attitude? How could he say this? Look at the next verse. If you don't have this verse highlighted, at least have it highlighted in your heart, please. Look what he says. For to me... It's like, listen, hey, I don't know about you, but for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. This is so beautiful. Is death gain for you this morning? Because listen, looking all around us, it's self-preservation gone wild to the max. I'm going to preserve my life. I'm going to save my life. Paul's like, you know what? For me to live right now, I'm going to live full on for Jesus. And if I die, that's gain. Death, death is not a loss. Why? Because guess what happens? When we pass through the veil into eternity, all of our hopes, all of our dreams, our future begins. Are you with me this morning? No more pain. No more suffering. No more disease, no more COVID, no more uh, terrorism, no more rape, no more robbery, no more lies, no more cheating, no more deceit, no more taxes. I'll get an amen somewhere up in here. No more cavities. <laughs> Please notice a couple things here, a couple observations. Number one, Paul didn't say for, for you to live is, but for me. Jesus is at the core of my life. So how would you fill in the blank this morning? For me personally, to live is blank. How would you finish that verse? For to me, to live is blank. Because every one of us lives for something. What gets us out of bed in the morning, what we give ourselves to, what we give our time to, our talents to, our treasures to, what are you living for this morning? Whatever you fill the blank with, listen, this morning, that's the God of your life. That's your master passion. And for some, to live is money. You know what? If, if, if for, to, for you to live is money, guess what? Death is loss. Or power. 
Death is lost. Fame, likes. Popularity, if you're living for that, death is loss. A decade, no one will remember you anymore. Those likes meant zero, zilch. I mean, you could put anything in there to, for power. To die is loss. Looks. Adventure. I mean, you could put anything in there, but death is loss in, the, in this circumstance. Because those things, what? They come and go. There's instability in those things. They come, they go. And if your joy is connected to those things, then you will be on a roller coaster of emotions your whole life. Because they're not stable. Listen, Jesus is stable. And he wants your life and my life to have stability. That we would be building our house, our lives on the rock, you guys. Those things won't stick with you. They're not devoted to you. Jesus will stick with you no matter what. He's devoted to you. He loves you. He's fully committed to you. And listen, he lives for you if you live for him. He promised life abundantly for you and for me. Living, and listen, also, living for anything else is of no eternal value. If you're living for those other things, it's of no eternal value. In other words, it's not going to last Because why? We know the book tells us it's all going to burn, baby, burn. The only thing, listen, the only thing that will last, there's a a sign in Mexico, your life on earth will soon be passed. Only what you do for Christ will last. That's it. And that's so true. Jesus is the only reason to live. And when we live for him, there is meaning. There is purpose. There is satisfaction. That's where joy is found, you guys. It's in him. It's connected to Jesus. And so when death comes, the relationship just gets better. We see him face to face. We get get a new body, too. The old bod from the sod, new bod from God. Some, some of the youngsters are like, what are you talking? There's a young man that was asking me one night after service, what do you mean, you know, new glorified body? Check me. <laughs> Look what I got going. I'm like, dude, just wait, bro. Just <laughs> give it a couple decades. <laughs> right? From the dust we came, everything begins to go, no matter how many nips, tucks, lifts, lift, kit, lift kits you got or whatever. But listen, the best is yet to come. For us as believers... And Jesus removes the fear of death. Jesus said, because I live, so you too will live. And with the fear of death removed from our lives, that removes a lot of fear, by the way. Think about the things you fear this morning. And they're attached to the fear of death. Jesus removes the fear of death because we know where we're headed. He who has the Son has life. And I know that my last breath here will be my first breath in his presence. In fact, look what it says as we move forward. Paul's dilemma, verse 22 He said, but if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. For for I am hard pressed between the two. What two? Having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all 
for your progress and joy of faith that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you. So Paul's got a little dilemma, doesn't he? What's his dilemma that he has here? Should I stay or should I go now? That's the dilemma. Correct? If I keep living, verse 22, that means more fruit as I serve Jesus. That's amazing. There's still more opportunity to serve him, Paul says. Do you know there's still more opportunity for you? You're still, you and I are still sucking air. That means there's more opportunity for us to serve him, to be involved in seeing his kingdom furthered. Yet what I prefer, verse 22, or what I choose, I'm not sure. To live or to die, that's a tough question. He says, I'm com- literally, I'm hard-pressed. I'm compressed between two things, two excellent things, right? Are they two excellent things? Yes. The best, to depart. I have a pa- he says, I have a passionate desire to depart, to go home and be with Jesus which is way better, to be with Jesus, new body, endless joy. And by the way, that word to depart, it means to take down the tent. You got anybody camp here? Some people do. There's some people in the church that camp, right? At some point, you got to take down the tent, don't you? It gets holes, it gets rips. You know, the Bible talks about our bodies being a tent. They don't last forever. These bodies, you guys know that? These bodies don't last forever. They get rips and tears. Some of you know what I'm talking about. The Old Testament calls these bodies a carcass. All of us this morning were hauling around our carcasses. We, let, we look at each other's carcasses and compare carcasses and compare tents too, don't we? God, why did you give me this carcass? Why, why did you give me this tent? And, 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 the, and the cool thing is, is that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And David said, I'll rejoice about that. God made you the way he wanted to make you. It's awesome. So beautiful. His creation. He's so creative. And so Paul's like, you know what? I'm longing to take down this tent and to be with Jesus. Closing my eyes in this world and opening them in the world to come, in the life to come, eternity with him. Nevertheless, and please notice that to be absent from the body is to beware, present with the Lord. Not laying around an urn somewhere or in a box. Brother, sister, today you know, you're reminded again, that your last breath here will be your first breath in his presence. Okay? Like, let's not get this all mixed up. Not hard. Paul says to depart is way better than to be with Christ. Because when we depart, that's where you go, right into the presence of Jesus Christ. If you're rejecting Jesus this morning, it's not an accident you're here. And eternity is before you this morning as well. And the, option, and the option for you is if you reject Jesus Christ, you will end up in hell eternally. And I'm begging you to come to Jesus today. He made it so simple. You come just as you are to him, to follow him. He will forgive you. You come just as you are. He'll, he'll change you from the inside out. That's the good news. And, and there's not a lot of good news out there today, is there? Some of us news junkies. Not a lot of good news. That is the good news. Jesus Christ died, came and died for your sins and mine, and he rose again on the third day. He conquered death, and he offers forgiveness and eternal life to anyone. You come just as you are. Paul says, verse 24, however, to stay here with you physically 
is what's necessary, what's more beneficial right now. And he goes on in verse 25 and says, I'm fully persuaded. I know I'm going to be staying a little while longer and abiding with you, hanging with you. Why? Look what it says. Four is a reason word for the ad- your progress, for your advancement, your, for your joy of faith, for your happiness. You'll be overflowing with the joy of Jesus when I come to visit you. I love this because Paul... His desire was to see them, but not just to see them, to see them blessed. And I think there's a point here this morning. If it's not time to go home and be with Jesus, then it's time to help others. You guys catch that? If it's not time to go home yet, Paul says, I'm all about seeing other people get furthered in their walk with Jesus. To, To be a, Paul said to the Corinthians, to be a helper of their joy. To help others get real happy. Are you with me? I think, it's, I think it's a great encouragement this morning. A great example to follow. And then Paul gives some directions and some instructions as we finish the chapter this morning. As we finish up, verse 27. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for what? For the faith of the gospel and not in any way terrified by your adversaries which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation and that from God. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here is in me. Paul switches gears here now, and he's encouraging, he's instructing the church. And notice where he begins. Let me draw your attention to verse 27. He says, let your conduct, let your behavior be worthy or be appropriate or in line with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's such an interesting word. We get the word politics from this word conduct. Is that interesting? We get politics and we also get citizenship from that word. Listen, are your politics worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Don't just shake your head yes and say amen. Think about that for a little bit. What's he saying here? Where is our citizenship, guys? It's in heaven. Our citizenship, he's saying here, as, as he's communicating, Let your conduct, let your behavior be worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are a representative of heaven on earth right now, a citizen of heaven, an ambassador of Jesus Christ here right now. May May your politics, your citizenship, the way you live your life be worthy so that I, if I come, listen, he said, if I show up or if I don't make it, I want to hear that you're, you're not just talking the talk, you're walking the walk. That you're behaving as a citizen of heaven. 
Does that make sense, you guys? So crucial. Because we do a great disservice to the gospel of Jesus Christ when we are telling people about Jesus or claiming to be his followers and living like the rest of the world. We do a great disservice in our home, too, when we say, when we say one thing at church and we're something different in our houses, you guys. And if, if, that, if there's a disconnect there, listen, this, this is the morning, just pray, say, Lord, help me in this area of my life. I want that, that gap to, 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 to get closer and closer from who I am here, same person I am at home. I would walk in the light no matter where I am, that there would be no bits of darkness in my life. And so what is behavior that fit, that is fitting to the gospel of Jesus Christ? What is behavior that is in line with the gospel of Jesus Christ? This is, to me, this is amazing. Look what Paul says. Verse 27, right at the end. That you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. To me, this is like so amazing. He says, as the local church. So what's God saying to us this morning through Paul? What's the Lord saying to you? What's the Holy Spirit saying to us this morning? As the local church here, we'd be immovable. We would stand fast. Nothing would shake us. We, we would be solid. Notice what else? In one spirit, we'd be united in our attitudes. In, with one mind, we'd be united in our thinking striving together, that word is used in Greek for working together as athletes. For what? Isn't this interesting? For the faith, for the good news, the faith of the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about, you guys. The gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news. Paul's saying, be together in the good news. Didn't Jesus pray for our oneness, our unity? John 17, he prayed like three or four times in John 17. You can look at that later. He prayed that we would be one as he and the Father are one. And it would be a testimony to the whole world of the gospel that the Father sent the Son. Our closeness, our companionship, our unity, our fellowship would be a radical witness to a lost world. And so Paul's reminding the church of that here. In fact, that word striving together, it's striving together as athletes. You guys ever been on a winning team? In sports, anybody been on winning? I wasn't either. All the teams I was on, bunch of losers. But, but I realized I was part of that. I was part of the losing team. I was on one team that won. And it was so awesome because everybody played their role together. There wasn't petty fighting and divisions and everyone striving together working together. Paul uses an athletic... I think Paul loves sports. We know, right? He talked about boxing, talked about fight, wrestling, MMA, right? But he wasn't, but he wasn't saying, I hope this guy rips his head off. And he wasn't saying that. He was saying, oh, you know what? That's an example of, wow, we can apply this spiritually. Paul's taken the, the imagery here of a sports team that's playing together. There's no hitting each other in the back or pulling each other down. They're working together. And do you guys know we're on the same team this morning? Every one of us? Do we agree, do we agree on every single thing? No way, man. 
There can be unity in diversity. Of course, we test everything with the Word of God. But please, can I encourage us, encourage us this morning, don't let your differences destroy your unity. Because we, we can get hung up on peripherals, guys, so easily. And Jesus said one of the things that would mark the last days, which we are in, and it's ramping up, Jesus said the love, the agape of many will grow cold. Listen, only Christians have agape love. You know what he's saying? That Christians' love will grow cold. Which way? Vertically and horizontally. Do you see it today in the church? There's a lot of division, isn't there, happening? Do you guys see that or am I just like seeing things? There's a lot, isn't there? This section that we just began is going to roll through a few chapters. This whole thing on unity. Why? Because there's two gals in the church of Philippi. You guys remember their names? Syntyche and Euodia. If you guys are looking for good girl names, there you go. That's their names. You can, you can check it out later in chapter 4, verse 2. Euodia and Syntyche. I want to make sure I got it right. So, so listen, Paul, can you imagine they're sitting there in the church and this letter's being read? Oh, yeah, unity. Hallelujah. And then all of a sudden, you, you hear your name. And Paul says, you two get along. He doesn't say what was causing, the, what the division thing was about, what the issue was. It doesn't matter. Are you with me? It don't matter. And he encourages them to keep the main thing the main thing. And the main thing is the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's so much dividing the church today. And these two gals, what happens is when you have division, and by the way, God hates those that sow discord in division. You got, you got division going on, and what's going to happen is you got two camps, and now one camp gets behind this girl, one camp gets behind that girl, and now you've got the entire church separated, fighting, infighting in the church, and guess what's happening? The gospel's not being preached. And the world looks at us, and they go, I don't, who wants to be, I can get that at work. I can get that in my home. I can find that all around me. I don't want what you guys got. And we're no longer light, we're no longer salt. Why? Because we've got these petty little differences that we can't just lay aside and work together and move forward together. Striving together. And I, I, and I understand, listen, I've been doing ministry for a while now, a couple decades, and getting along with other Christians can be a battle. Lots of different perspectives, lots of different methods, um, but we are, the Bible tells us, God tells us, we are to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. It takes an endeavoring. And listen, I've learned too, when, when there's division in the church, it's not about the gospel. It's always about something other than the gospel. It's sad. People divide over all sorts of stuff. I've learned, too, all the complaining and griping. We're going to learn that later, aren't we? Do all, everything without, do all things without complaining and disputing or griping. So many, so many people have left ministry because of that, by the way. 
And you know what? I've learned all the complaining in the church, it's never about the gospel. You guys recognize that? You guys know what I'm talking about? It's never about the gospel. It's always something else. The music's too loud. The music's too soft. It's too cold. It's too hot. The chairs are not comfortable. It's always a peripheral thing. That really, in light of, in light of eternity, is that little difference, is that little argument really going to matter? It's not, is it? You get to heaven, is that going to matter? It's not going to matter. And so we work together. We, Paul's encouraging us here to focus on unity, to fight together for unity, and not things that are less important. Are you with me this morning? Are you guys with me still this morning? I, like, this is crucial. The gospel, the good news. How's it been going sharing the good news, you guys? Has it been good? Good sharing the good news? For, listen, for some of us, we've been reading so much news, we haven't been sharing the good news. For some of us, we know more about COVID and know more about vaccines than we know about Jesus. If the good news is truly the good news, then we need to be people about the good news. So much division. Paul's saying, guys, he's saying, get it together. Keep the main thing, the main thing. Striving together for the faith of the gospel and not being afraid. Look what it says in verse 28. Don't be afraid at all by your adversaries, of those who come against you. Listen, when, you are, when we are unified together, sharing the gospel, you know what's going to happen? We will be harassed, we will be hassled, we will be harmed. We just saw a little taste yesterday with the cops coming at surf camp. I think it's going to ramp up. I, I think, personally, it should be happening already now in our lives. Because Paul said to Timothy... All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. We should be getting some heat, by the way. Are you with me? Whether it's with our family members, in the workplace, in our community. If not, maybe we need to take a step back and say, am I really living godly in Christ Jesus? If you're not getting hassled at all or harmed, if everybody is saying good about you, whoa, it's time to take a step back and like reassess, am I salt and light? Because salt stings, doesn't it? Didn't Jesus say something about being salt? You're the salt of the... You're the salt of the what? Yeah. Salt, you can taste. It has a flavor to it. And it stings. It brings healing too, doesn't it? Some of us were in the salt water yesterday, bringing some healing to those cuts. There's a flavor about our lives. There's a difference. And listen, fear blocks what God wants to do in your life. Fear blocks God's blessings. Fear blocks us from doing what God has called us to do. Listen, fear is contagious. Fear is leaven, you guys. And and fear does arise in our hearts sometimes. David said, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. But we have not been given a spirit of fear or timidity, but power and love and a sound mind. We are to walk by faith and not by sight. 
Are you with me still on this? Paul says, don't be afraid of your adversaries. Faith works the same way. It's a huge encouragement when our brothers and sisters are stepping out in faith, in boldness, in the face of persecution, in living for Jesus and shining for him and bringing salt to this earth. And it's a proof, it's a proof to the unbeliever. It's a sign they're doomed. Did you notice that? That's what perdition means. When you are not in any way terrified by them, it's proof to them of perdition, that they're on the broad path that leads to destruction. That's interesting to me. But to you, it's what? It's a sign or a token that you are saved, that you belong to the Lord. Because Jesus said that would happen. If it happens to me, it's going to happen to you. Peter said, don't think it a strange thing if you're suffering persecution. Don't think it's something off the wall. Peter, though, said also, let me couch that. Peter said also, if you're facing persecution for being a nut or off the wall, you deserve it, buckaroo. But if it's for righteousness' sake, man, rejoice. Because why? Because Jesus is glorified. Because he's going to talk about suffering here. We suffer for bearing the name of Jesus, and we're all in this together. We all suffer, don't we? Let's look what he says. He says, Believers, it's been granted to you. It's a privilege. The word granted means it's a grace gift. It's, it's a grace gift for you to be able to believe in Jesus. And it's a grace gift also for you to suffer. Not a whole lot of amens when you read that. But how do we view it? Is it a, as a privilege, as an honor to suffer for Jesus? When, when we are, when we are going through suffering, you know, we, know, we know a couple of things. Number one, we know we're following in our master's footsteps. Something else, too, we know we're going the right way. When we're suffering for bearing the name of Jesus, we know we're going the right way. And it's good to be reminded of that. And not just that, You're not in it alone when you are suffering. Listen, the suffering we face here is nothing compared to what our brothers and sisters are facing around the world. The missionaries and ministers that we are supporting right now, their life is on the line every single day. Can you imagine seeing your family ripped from you? People in the church being beheaded, crucified. Heavy. It's heavy. That's why we need to pray for them because when one member suffers, we all suffer. Our Father who art in heaven, we're part of a family, guys. And so that means we're all connected together. And that's why we need to be, remember what Paul mentioned at the beginning of our study. He talked about deliverance and rescue is through what? Through prayer and the supply of the Holy Spirit. We need to be praying for one another. Some of us face unique challenges and difficulties each week. I know you guys do. And we're speaking specifically here of serving the Lord. But some of you have difficulties and other issues you're facing during the week. And can I just remind you this morning, the Lord knows. He walked in our shoes. He knows what you're going through. There is no, there's no depth that he hasn't fathomed and he's right there with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And Paul's encouraging us this morning. Listen, God's encouraging us this morning to keep the main thing the main thing. And the main thing is Jesus. We stay close to him. We look to him to live as Christ and to die is gain. The best 
is yet to come. Amen. In Jesus' name. Lord, thank you. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much. You're so good. Thank you for your word this morning, the, the strength of it. Lord, I pray that my precious brothers and sisters would take away the things that have come from your heart, that we would be built up in our most holy faith, that we would truly have your joy, the joy of Jesus. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Lord, forgive us when we choose lesser things to live for, Lord. So often we can drift away. I pray this morning, Lord, for any of my brothers and sisters that have chosen to live for something else this season, that today would be just a day of coming back to you. We know that's where revival begins, is coming unto you, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters that are weary and burdened, that they would come to you. Those that are dry, that need to be filled, Lord, they come to you this morning to be filled up. Those that have been pouring out, Lord, they would find, again, coming to you, being refilled. God, we want those rivers of living water to flow from our innermost being. And so thank you. You've made it so simple. I pray... Father, you would give us boldness as well to share your word. That we would not be afraid at all. That we would walk by faith, sharing the good news of your son, Jesus Christ. And this morning, as we're still in an attitude of prayer, as we finish our Bible study, Maybe you've come in this morning and you realize you've never come to that place of a real and a genuine relationship with Jesus Christ. He loves you. He demonstrated his love for you and for me by coming and dying on the cross for our sins. He suffered and he died and was buried and he rose again the third day. And he offers forgiveness, eternal life to anyone that will come to him, to receive him, to believe on his name. And this morning you realize that he's calling you to follow him, to to leave the direction you're going, to leave whatever it is you've been involved with, to follow him, to go his way. If that's you this morning, I'm not asking you to join a church or sign some membership card or perform some ritual. None of those things will save you. Only Jesus can and will save you right here, right now give you a fresh start. If that's you this morning, would you raise up your hand? I'll pray with you. I'll lead you in a prayer as you open your heart to Jesus, as you give your heart to him. Just lift up that hand and we'll pray together this morning. I'll lead you as you give your life to him. Anyone at all here this morning? Anyone at all? Father, thank you again for this amazing family that you've brought together, the amazing work of your spirit that's going on within each one of us, as we were reminded in this chapter that you've begun a good work in us, and that you're going to complete that good work. 
And so have your way in our hearts, in our lives. Help us to get to that place where we can say, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. We thank you, Lord. We love you. Thank you for first loving us. And it's in your precious, in your holy name, Lord Jesus, that we pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen. All right, so listen, if anyone needs prayer this morning, after this song, you come forward. There'll be men and women up front that would love to pray with you, to pray for you. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may his face shine upon you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand together and we close our worship today.